let's go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you want to follow along, uh, going to hit some highlights. Uh, there are so many parallels to the story of Nehemiah and what we're uh, experiencing around us today. I mean, you don't have to look around very far to see that there's a lot of um, anxiety. Brother Cook mentioned that in his prayer and how that the Lord is our strength and the Holy Spirit is our comfort. Don't have to look around too far to see that there's a lot of folks that have a lot of unrest. I tell you, if we did not have the Lord, we really would be in a mess. We really would be. But because we have the Lord... We don't have to experience the same degree of anxiety that folks experience that don't have the Lord. We we know the rest of the story. We know that God's in charge. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves. God's Word reminds us. We have to keep reminding each other that God's on the throne and He's in charge. And God is able... It's amazing how God is able to take things that uh, the devices of wicked men, God's able to overrule those devices. He doesn't always do it on our time frame. I mean, sometimes our time frame was yesterday or way back, but God's time frame is a little bit different. And, but yet God is always uh, on the throne and in charge. And so we can look at the life of Nehemiah and hopefully draw some really good lessons of encouragement. I like Nehemiah. I, I don't mind saying this. I like being around folks that are positive folks. Because the problem is I'm not always that way. And I was telling Sister Linda I miss so much her mother. Because uh, Sister Perry was even up till way past 100, 104. She was always... Rejoicing in the Lord, and she had her strength in the Lord. And so, when I'm around folks like that, a little bit of it, I hope, rubs off on me in some fashion. Well, Nehemiah is that type person. Nehemiah was strong in the Lord. Nehemiah had a close walk with the Lord, and Nehemiah was directed of the Lord. And so, when I look at the story of Nehemiah, looking at the first few chapters. It says that uh, we'll see that Nehemiah was grieved at what he saw going around. When Nehemiah heard the report of the Jews that were being um, in great distress, their, their cities, their walls be taken away. And then when Nehemiah saw it himself, he was greatly disturbed and greatly moved. Some folks say, they brush it off and say, well, that's not my problem. Nehemiah could have said that. He could have said, that's not my problem. Uh, I'll let somebody else deal with that. I'm not going to worry about it. I've got my life to live. And so I'm going to let somebody else worry about the problem. The second thing that I believe Nehemiah uh, conveys in the story that we'll look at here in just a minute is Nehemiah had the attitude of what can I do to make a difference? Is there anything that I can do to make a difference? You know, sometimes we develop a critical or cynical attitude and we fail to look at what uh, possibly could be done to make a difference in our own lives. And so maybe we should be looking at our own life 
we should be looking at the question, is there something that I can do to make a difference? And Nehemiah had that attitude, and I believe God gave him that attitude, and Nehemiah was used by God to make a huge difference. The next thing that Nehemiah did is Nehemiah recognized to a big degree what the problem was. He recognized that the problem was sin. And so Nehemiah confessed his own sin, and then he confessed the sins of his fathers. Maybe the fathers had already gone on to be with the Lord. But he said, I and my father's house have sinned. And so Nehemiah recognized what the problem was. If you really get down to the root of it, the problem is sin. It can be traced back in almost every case to sin. We've all got... uh, uh, Sister Caroline was mentioning Sister Catherine in having this ongoing problem. Well, all of us have this ongoing problem, and it's called sin. And if we recognize it, and God shows us our sins and blesses us to repent of our sins, then we're able to have a closer walk with the Lord, have closer fellowship with the Lord, closer communion with the Lord when we address the sin issues in our life. Nehemiah addressed the sin in his life and the sins of his fathers. He did. Nehemiah also recognized in his situation the hand of God. Now, I don't think things just happen. Nehemiah was in the role that he... Sister Jackie and I talked about this the other day about how God had been opening doors in her life. And I believe that God is working behind the scenes a whole lot of times that we don't know anything about it. I believe God has a host of angels around each one of us here. And if it wasn't for God's protecting hand and those angels that are interceding and ministering on our behalf, I believe we probably wouldn't be here this day. But God has a whole host that's for you, that's for your good, that's around you all the time, protecting you, watching over you, providing for you, keeping you from bringing harm to yourself that probably we would along the way. So God has got his hand in the matter. And sometimes we fail to recognize that that things are not out of control. They're not out of God's control. God knows exactly what's going on. And God is able to intervene and God is able to heal and direct. And Brother Cook was right in his prayer. God could heal us with this terrible pandemic that we have. God could heal all of this anxiety that's going on about 60 miles south of here for us. That's affecting a lot of folks outside the Beltway of 495. God could overrule And we may want to just watch God work in those matters and realize that some of those matters are the Lord's and that the battle is the Lord's. And so there's some things we can do and some things we can't do. And the things we can't do, we need to recognize that it's not too big for God and that he is our captain and that he always wins and that he has all power. He doesn't have just 51% of the power. He has all power. That tells me he's got 100% of the power. Matthew reiterates that to us. So it's recognized by Nehemiah that that these things are not just happening. 
that God's hand is in the matter. And Nehemiah confesses that and he reiterates that several times. And, and I want you to know this, that Nehemiah, by being able to recognize that God's hand was in the matter, gave Nehemiah a great deal of encouragement in the midst of opposition. Now, would you all agree that there's opposition on every hand? I mean, you don't have to look far before you find that there's opposition. And there's certainly opposition for Christians. And it's growing more and more. And so in order to be able to be strong against the opposition, we've got to know that the Lord is in the matter. We've got to know that our strength is of the Lord. Now, if we're going down the wrong course and God's not directing us and God is not guiding us and God is not with us in that, then we, we can't encourage one another. But if we're pursuing the Lord and leaning on the Lord and depending upon the Lord, we can be strengthened. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah had opposition from without, from without the camp. Nehemiah had opposition from outside the walls of Jerusalem. And we can sort of sometimes expect that. And we can certainly relate to that. But Nehemiah also experienced within the camp. Now, there wasn't great opposition other than the folks inside the camp were constantly discouraged. And yet Nehemiah, because of the strength of the Lord and because knowing that God was in the matter, Nehemiah was able to be strong in the Lord, even in the midst of discouragement, both within the camp and on the outside of the camp. That's very important. It is. So then we see that this is a great lesson to us right here. We're taught that we are to come Boldly before the throne of grace. Now, I don't think that means arrogantly. Not at all. I don't think it means that we're to come proudly before the throne of grace. But what it means is that we're to go with great confidence before the throne of grace. And it also means that it doesn't hurt for us to ask for some things that are outside the box. Outside our box. It doesn't hurt to ask for some big things. And we see this in the example of Nehemiah. Nehemiah asked for some things that were outside the box. But while he was asking, he also he was asking the king. And while he was asking, he also realized that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. So Nehemiah was holding to that that promise. So Nehemiah came before the Lord asking for some big things. And the last point that I'll mention, and this is just one that's worthy of noting. That over and over and over, even in the midst of great discouragement all around. By the way, this was the beginning of fake news. Nehemiah, you go through and read it and you'll find it over and over. And the fake newscasters that were delivering it were called Sanballat and Tobiah. They were governors. I don't know. That's just that's where it started in Nehemiah. And they just continually went over and over again. And they tried to wear him down. 
And sometimes it does get wearisome. But Nehemiah encouraged himself in the Lord. He did. That's the only way that this fellow that I would refer to as a hero in the scriptures could be a hero is that he was encouraged in the Lord. If you're depending on others to encourage you, sometimes they can encourage you. I hope that I can be an encouragement to you, but I'm not always going to be here and I'm not uh, always encouraging. Uh, We want to be an encouragement to one another, but if we're depending upon our encouragement coming from someone else, we're probably going to get disappointed in some point in time. But you will never, ever, ever be discouraged in the Lord. Your encouragement can always come from God and God will not disappoint you ever. And God is always able to encourage you. And Nehemiah, when, you know, they say bad things happen in threes. Well, look at Nehemiah. It looks like bad things happened in sixes or twelves with Nehemiah. I mean, on every hand, things were bad. And it's amazing that he could stay focused on the Lord and strong in the Lord and then be an encouragement to other people in the midst of such discouraging times. Now, that's what I want to sign up for. It is. That's what I want for myself. And that's what I want for you is to have the same philosophy and experience that Nehemiah experienced in his life. All right, let's look at it. And we'll just we'll just breeze through this. By the way, I failed to mention Elder Aquino. Elder Aquino is caring for his 93-year-old father who's ailing, and he's in need of your prayers. Uh, not able to be here, but pray for Elder Aquino. We miss Brother Steve. And Brother and Sister Greenfield, does anybody know about the Greenfields? That's not like them to not be here. We'll check with them. Nehemiah, in the, in the Old Testament, right after Ezra, after 1st and 2nd Chronicles, The book of Nehemiah. It says that Nehemiah, that one of his brethren came uh, from Judah. And he says, I asked them uh, concerning the Jews, concerning his people that had escaped. He says, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. Now, that's enough that Nehemiah desired to know how the welfare of the Jews were doing that had been taken captivity, that their walls had been torn down, that the enemy had come in. And so Nehemiah was basically asking about his folks back home. I oftentimes talk to friends in Texas and I'll inquire about how folks are doing at the the Lubbock Church and the Brownfield Church and and the churches in the area. And and sometimes I'm made to rejoice and sometimes I have uh, sorrow. And sometimes I hear that dear friends that I've known, I just heard of one today that had passed away and went to be with the Lord. And I uh, have a great deal of, of emotions when I hear of the report back home. Nehemiah was hearing a report and the report was sad. And the, and the report grieved Nehemiah. It says that Hananiah said 
the remnant that are left of the captivity, they're in great affliction. Now, that's a sad condition to be in. They're in great affliction. They're in reproach. And he says, and then the wall, the security around the city is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Now, I believe that this can be talking about the Lord's people. I also believe it can be talking about the Lord's church as well. In traveling different areas of the country, especially up in the Northeast and in places up in New York State, uh, up in Maine and places like that, we've witnessed where even the physical buildings, you could almost uh, identify with this right here. Uh, a lot of those old churches up there have stone walls that um, they gathered the stone that was around on the grounds of the lot. And those stone walls, in some cases, are broken down or damaged or there's many breaches in those walls. And so Nehemiah, as he's hearing this report, it says that when he heard the words... That he sat down and he wept and he mourned certain days. So first of all, when Nehemiah heard the report of the condition of his folks back home. When he heard the report of the Jews. When he heard that the enemy had advantage over them. When he heard that they were in great affliction. When he heard that there was great reproach upon them. It bothered him. Now Nehemiah could have said, well, that's not my problem. I'll let somebody else deal with that. But look what Nehemiah did. And I believe this shows that the hand of God was in this matter. God was using Nehemiah. God put it in the heart of Nehemiah. God stirred up Nehemiah. And sisters, you can begin to pray to this end. But what we really need today are some Nehemiahs. We need God. I mean, God knows what He needs. I don't need to tell God what He needs. But it appears that we need some Nehemiahs in our lives today. We need to be able to look look back upon those that have gone on to be with the Lord and identify some Nehemiahs, some people that wanted to be used of God to make a difference. To be used of God to make a difference. Nehemiah... The first thing that he did, the first thing that he didn't do is go before the Lord or the king and tell how that he had it all figured out. You know, when you talk to somebody that they've got everything figured out, you you realize real soon that generally they don't have everything figured out. And usually when time passes for a little while, it doesn't take long before sometimes they begin to realize that they didn't have everything figured out. I mean, can't you look at your own lives and look back and see that, you know, I thought I had it figured out, but I didn't. I missed the mark. Nehemiah realized he needed some wisdom and some direction and some encouragement from somebody other than himself. He needed it from God. And so the first thing that Nehemiah did when he saw the condition of his people, and it should bother us, it should trouble us. It should bother us that the values and the morals and the liberties that Christians face are just on the brink of being challenged in a major way. Brother Mike Rogers and I were talking about it this morning and we said, well, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen in our lifetime, but it may happen in the lifetime of our our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He says, I think it's very possible that it will happen in our lifetime. He says, that's why I'm signing up 
to be ready to go on and be with the Lord. He says, there's a far better place that I'm looking forward to than what we have right here. But for those of us that are still around, here's what Nehemiah did. And this is great instruction for us. The first thing that Nehemiah did when he heard the report is he he sat down and he wept and he mourned and he fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. You got problems. You're distressed. You've got difficulties in your life. This prescription that Nehemiah had right here is a really good prescription for every one of us. Is to go before the Lord. There may be some weeping. There may be some fasting. A whole lot of praying. And it's amazing when we're praying and fasting and mourning before the Lord. That oftentimes we go before the Lord and we think that God is going to change that person over there. And it's amazing how that sometimes God changes this person right here. Now God can work on both at the same time. It's amazing that He can. But we oftentimes think that the change needs to occur over there when many, many times the change needs to occur right here. There's some situations we can't change. But we can change how we face them, how we look at them, and how we deal with the situations that are in our path. Now look at Nehemiah. Then he prayed to the Lord. This is Nehemiah chapter 1. Then he prayed to the Lord. I'm thankful if you have a godly mother, a godly father, a godly sister, a godly brother, a godly friend that you can take your troubles to. I'm thankful for that. But I want to tell you, not everybody has that. But everybody does have this. Everybody has the Lord. You can go to the Lord just like Nehemiah did when he was in trouble. And when you and I get in trouble, that's not the last place we ought to go. It's the first place we ought to go. It's to the Lord. It says that Nehemiah went to the Lord and he says, here's Nehemiah's prayer. And this would be good for us. I beseech thee, O God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and let thine eyes be open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Nehemiah, in praying to the Lord, he first of all honors and adores the Lord, and he recognizes the power and the awesome might that God has. And then he says, Lord, I don't have anything to plead other than confess before you my sins and the sins of our fathers. He says, both me and my, our house, our father's house, the children of Israel have sinned. And he says, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor statutes, nor judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. So Nehemiah is recognizing that he hasn't always kept the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. Now, we can look at our own lives and see areas in our own life where maybe we didn't put the Lord first. We put the Lord second or third or fourth. Or maybe we didn't even consider the Lord in certain times in our life. 
One of the things that our God is holy and he's compassionate and he's merciful and he's just. But I'll tell you, one thing about our God is he is a jealous God. He deserves and expects and requires all the praise and all the honor. And when we put him second or third or last or don't consider him at all, God's not pleased with that. And Nehemiah says, I realize that I've missed the mark. I haven't always kept God first in my life. And he says, I don't have to look back very far, but I realize that even in my family, even my people, that we've missed the mark. And he says, God, would you forgive us? God, you're a merciful God. God, you're a forgiving God. God, you're a loving God. God, you have a people. Would you have mercy upon this people? And Lord, would you forgive us? our sins. I wonder if all the churches came together. We can't impact many other folks other than the folks here at Mount Carmel. But I wonder if all the churches came together and did what Nehemiah did right here. If it'd make a difference. It's amazing. We might see COVID go away overnight. Brother Mark over here. Brother Brother Cook over there have both prayed in their recent prayers that God would intervene and heal us of this pandemic. God might heal us and hear us if we came before Him and we claimed the promises and we repented like Nehemiah did. Then he says, Remember, I beseech thee, I don't think Nehemiah was thinking God would forget. Nehemiah was reminding himself and us Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. Ah, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. One of the uh, best treatments for this pandemic is to scatter folks as far as you can. Not to bring folks together. It's to scatter them. I mean, I heard at first social distancing was six feet. Then I heard it's 10 feet. Then it's 12 feet. Well, as a result, Nehemiah says that God can scatter his folks. That's a judgment that's upon us. I tell you, those of you that have cared for ailing parents and grandparents and sick children, little babies. There's something that a touch can do that nothing else can do. One of the greatest blessings I had was being with my grandfather on my mother's side, not the granddad that you knew, but my other grandfather. And I remember that as he was dying the few days before he died, that we brought him home and um, he was about 92 years old and he was just at the time my best friend and I can remember that that the few days before he went home to be with the Lord that that uh, that he would that he would moan that he would just moan and we'd say granddad are you in pain no do you hurt no but we would just hear him moan and there were only two things that would cause him to stop moaning. Number one, put some hymn singing on. He enjoyed the hymn singing. 
But the second thing, and he would stop immediately, is to just simply grab his hand and hold his hand. And all of a sudden, he was just as calm as he could be. There's a great blessing that God has blessed us with in being able to touch and help others around us. Here it says, these folks were scattered. He said, But if ye turn unto me... Now this is the promise that was given by Moses, by God. But it's still just as effective today as it was back then. But if... But... Elder Mike Rogers went through the scriptures one time and he told me he preached a whole sermon on but God. Right here it says, But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto this place that I have chosen to set my name. So Nehemiah... This is really, this is quite skillfully on the part of Nehemiah right here. Nehemiah goes back. He sees the condition. He sees that folks are scattered. Nehemiah goes back and he claims that promise that was delivered by Moses. I want to tell you that one of the greatest blessings that you and I have today, one of the greatest blessings that we have are the promises of God. You and I can travel back in the Old Testament and we can glean on those promises that God has given us in the Old Testament. If you remember, uh, you remember in Genesis where the question was asked, is there anything that's too hard for the Lord? Well, we saw the rest of that story when Abraham and Sarah uh, in old age were uh, blessed with child and she was about 90 years old. And, And sure, that seems out of character, out of the norm, but it's not out of the norm for God because there's not anything that's too hard for God. We have those promises. We can run over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and the Apostle Paul reminds us right here that God's grace is sufficient for us, that His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So you and I have all these promises that we can hold on to and it makes a huge difference. And so Nehemiah in his prayer in talking to the Lord he says Lord he says I've had a uh, I, I, I've had a mental thought right here I remember and I hope that you might remember to shed this mercy upon us I remember that you promised that if we'll turn that you'll not scatter us apart but Lord you'll draw us together you know one of the things I'm looking forward to I'll just be honest with you is that old-fashioned right-handed fellowship that we enjoy so much. So when we start gathering together, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a blessing. So he says, Lord, I remember those promises that you've promised in the past. And you've promised that if we will turn and repent, that you'll heal, heal our land. So Nehemiah goes down and there's just a few minutes that I want to just touch on the next chapter. Nehemiah 
says in the last verse, he says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And, and then Nehemiah says something right here that I think this is really, really good. And we can all grab a hold of this right here. Nehemiah says, Lord, I desire that you hear the prayer. I desire that you hear the prayer of your servants that fear your name. And he says, and I desire, he says, I desire that uh, you uh, even bless and prosper your servants. What he's saying right here is that I don't want to just be spinning my wheels. I want to be, I want to use my effort, my energy. I want to use my encouragement to encourage others. And he's saying right here, I want to make a difference. But I know, God, that that depends upon you, whether I can or not. And he says, Lord, would you prosper my way? Do you know what? That wouldn't hurt us at all to be mindful to pray that. That's not saying that God's going to give you a healthy, large bank account. That's not what it means. What it means is that God is going to strengthen you. God is going to make your path clear. And God is going to go before you. And God is going to go with you. And God is going to bless you to be above all of your challenges and troubles and difficulties. That's when God prospers your way. And Nehemiah said that. He says, I want you to prosper my way. And I want to tell you something. If God does not prosper your way, you can just spin your wheels all you want to. And the scripture refers to it like this. He says, you can make a ton of money, but you can put it in bags. And you've got, it's like this. The example that the scriptures teach right here is that no matter how much money that you make, there's more holes in the bag and it goes out faster than what it goes in at the top. God has to prosper your labors or it's of no avail. All right. Here's the story in, in chapter 2. Want to just read it. Nehemiah recognizes the condition. Nehemiah says, I want to be used of the Lord to make a difference. And I'm depending on God to prosper the way. And he says, you know, I just happen to think that God put that in my heart. I think God put it in my mind and God put it in my heart. And so Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king. And that meant that... One of the, maybe it wasn't real prevalent or popular, but one of the, one of the threats was to poison the king. And so they had a cupbearer. And the cupbearer had to be a very trusted individual and have great esteem with the king and the queen. And so Nehemiah had that esteemed position. Now, I believe that God put Nehemiah in that position. Now, Nehemiah could have said, I'm not going to regard it. You know, Nehemiah could have taken the day off, but Nehemiah wanted to be used of God and looked at every single opportunity. So Nehemiah recognized that God had opened that door to even for him to be in the presence of the king. Now, it'd be about like this. How many of us here could actually get an audience with the president? I mean, he's probably only about 65 miles from us, but really... Do you think that we could get him to any president to listen to our request? Nehemiah had a face-to-face communion with the king, audience with the king. So I'm going to paraphrase it for time's sake. And if you go home and read it, it'll be a great blessing to you. Nehemiah had a great desire to be used of God to make a difference. He said, I want to go back to my homeland. I want to go to the Jews that are being in great affliction, that are being in great approach. 
I want to be used of God to make a difference on building the walls back and protecting and fortifying the city. And so Nehemiah comes before the king and the king recognizes Nehemiah's countenance and Nehemiah's countenance was sad. And he said, one of the things you just generally don't do is be sad in front of the king. And the king could have destroyed him, annihilated him for just being sad. But God had touched the heart of the king. You can go through and read it. And the king said to Nehemiah, what is it that you're of such a sad countenance? And Nehemiah told him, and he said, the cities, my, my people, lieth in waste. There's great destruction. And he said, why shouldn't I be sad? Now, I missed an important point right here. Before Nehemiah spoke to the king, he did something really, really important. It says that he prayed. You know, I think that's what, that shows the wisdom that Nehemiah had. He may have had a tremendous vocabulary. But Nehemiah knew that in order for the king to give him an audience and to make a difference, he prayed that no doubt, I wonder what Nehemiah said. No doubt he prayed, God, you've provided this opportunity for me to be before the king. Please help me not to mess it up. Help me not to say the wrong thing or say it the wrong way. Help me to ask just the right thing, what your will would be. And Lord, while I'm talking, would you direct the heart of the king so that when he hears it, that he'll be compassionate about it? Nehemiah said, I prayed before I talked to the king. And then he said, I prayed after I talked to the king. But you know, that's a really good lesson for us right there. We ought to pray before, we ought to pray during, we ought to pray after. Now, that's pretty easy to do. You ever been in a big fix and, boy, in the heat of the moment, you're praying? That's not hard to do, is it? It's a blessing to do. Well, that's what Nehemiah was doing right here. He was, he was in an awkward situation. Totally dependent upon the king, but he wasn't putting his dependence upon the king. He was putting it in the Lord. Now he went through the motion and we're to do that as well. But but Nehemiah was getting his direction from the Lord. He was talking to the Lord, but yet he still had to talk to the king. Sometimes I'd rather not talk to the king. I mean, I'd rather skip that step. But Nehemiah had to do that as well. And so Nehemiah, when the king asked him, he said, I need a break. I need a vacation. By the way, it's going to be for about a year. Now, he'd have to know that his superior would be touched by God to even allow him to do that. And then he said, I'd like to go back and help. And then while he was asking, and, and I thought, at first I kind of thought to myself, this is kind of a little bit arrogant. But, but I know I didn't interpret it right. He was just being bold in the Lord. When he was talking to the king, he said, oh, by the way, would you give me letters so that when I go through these different provinces that I'll have access? Would you give me a pass that when I'm confronted that I have a letter that's directly from the king, that's signed by the king with his authority? that I have direct access when I go through these other countries, these other provinces. So he asked for that. And then he said this, 
Now, I wouldn't have done this unless I had known that the Lord was truly in the matter. He said, and and by the way, while you're giving me these letters of authority, would you give me another letter that would allow me to go to the king's forest so that I could cut down some of the king's trees and use those in the repair of the building of the wall? And do you know what? The, The king granted his request. He gave him the time off. He even sent a company with him to accompany him on the journey. So he even got more than what he expected. He got the letters to where he could pass through other areas. He got the letters to allow him to go to the king's forest and cut the the most prized trees down to use in the building of the wall. And, And God opened all those doors for it. And Nehemiah recognized it and he said he said in the end of it he says the lord granted all of this he said according to the good hand of my god upon me did you know that if you can just simply feel the good hand of god upon you that you can be empowered to handle just about anything if you know that god's in the matter by the way i want to give you some homework right here it won't be work at all but go listen to elder bradley on the program today it was talking about uh, hope in challenging times and i know several of you've already texted me and told me that you heard it and it was such a blessing to you i encourage you to listen to that on the baptist bible a great message on hope the, the, the song that he starts out with was the touch of his gentle hand. Nehemiah was right here saying right here, he said, I know that God's hand is on me. And he says, I can do it. I can do it because this plan is of God and I have the strength of God and I can stand against the enemy. And I can stand against all the challenges. Now, Nehemiah could not have known what challenges would come his way. He couldn't have. He might have imagined a few, but he couldn't have known what all the challenges were. But when other folks heard about... Well, I want to to toss this. I'm I'm on borrowed time right here. So just give me a couple of minutes. There's some great thoughts here in chapter 2 for you to grab a hold of and hold to. It says, when Nehemiah went and arrived at Jerusalem. It's it's interesting right here. It says, Nehemiah got up in the middle of the night. I thought this was interesting. And he went around and he surveyed the situation himself. Twice. Now, when I'm in the dark, I pull out my phone and I have a flashlight on there and it helps a whole lot. And I thought to myself, well, I wonder how Nehemiah could even see. Maybe God blessed it to be a full moon that night. I mean, maybe that's how he could get around. But it's interesting right here. Nehemiah, it says twice. He said, neither told I anybody what God had put on my heart to do. Now, that's interesting. Wonder why. Wonder why. If God hadn't put it on the hearts of those that were with him, or if they didn't have the vision, Scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish, then very likely those folks that were with him would have told him all the reasons that he couldn't do it. Nehemiah, you're one person. You're one man. You don't have any strength. 
The walls are in much more decay than what you could have imagined. The people are scattered much more than what uh, you could have even fathomed. And Nehemiah, you can't do it. Nehemiah had wisdom there to determine the situation. First talk to the Lord about it. And then once he saw it and God had given him a plan and he felt like that plan was from God, he shared that. And then the people came on board. Most of them. Most of them. Then there were some governors in these other provinces. And they began to have what, what, Psalm, what David says in Psalm, vain imaginations. I think it's Psalm, maybe chapter 2. Why does the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Well, that's what began to happen. And they began to spread all these lies about Nehemiah. They said, Nehemiah's doing this because he's going to rebel against the king and he wants to be the king. So then they began to attack Nehemiah. They began to spread these rumors and they began to attack Nehemiah. And they began to get the word out around this Sanballat and Tobiah. They took every single approach they could to discourage Nehemiah and hinder the work. And so the first thing they did to try to discourage the people, a lot of those folks weren't masons. Maybe they weren't carpenters. They were just probably like you and I. Didn't have a whole lot of skills in building. But it said that the one thing that those people did have is that they had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. So the enemy began to come up and begin to mock their work. And this is what they said. They said, you don't know how to build a wall. You don't know how to do gates. Said, even if a fox comes up against it, it'll knock it down. Well, now, if I was building, I'd probably think that might be the case. And then they began to get discouraged. The people began to get discouraged by the constant report of Sanballat and Tobiah. And Nehemiah would call them together. And Nehemiah would say, this work that we're doing right here. He says, I want you to remember something. This is a great work. It is a good work. And it is a work of the Lord. And so don't let the enemy discourage you. In fact, one time when they were working, Nehemiah set it up to where some of them had the trowels and the hammers and they were doing the the labor and others were watching with their spears and their sword against the enemy to protect, protect them as they were working. But there was one time that, 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 that the enemy took so many different approaches that they came to Nehemiah and they saw that the work was progressing and they became upset and they became fearful that the wall, the breaches of the wall were being restored and that the gates were being put back up. And they began to, uh, I don't know if they were threatened by it, but they, they, they abhorred it. And so they went to Nehemiah and they said, Nehemiah, we want you just to come down and talk to us. And Nehemiah said, I could tell, I knew that the report that they had was not of God. And he said, I told him, basically, I don't have time for that. The time I have needs to be spent on the work of the Lord to build the Lord's kingdom. And I don't have time to be distracted by your conniving 
stories. You can go through and read it and you'll see it yourself. And you'll see that they were successful. But Nehemiah had to go back over and over and over and encourage himself in the Lord. And he had to encourage others in the Lord. The Apostle Paul says that when all men forsook him, he says, yet the Lord stood by me. David said, when all men are against me, he said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. You'll never be discouraged if you go to the Lord and ask him to encourage you. When he does, when God encourages you, you can face just about anything. When God encourages you, things that seem so bad aren't nearly that bad. We can put them in perspective. That's how somebody like Sister Perry lived 104 years because she was encouraged in the Lord. Nehemiah encouraged himself in the Lord and God used him to be an encouragement to other people. And when he saw that they were discouraged... He reminded them of the promises of God. He reminded them of the deliverances of God. And he said, God is with us. And the work that we're engaged in is a great work. It's a worthy cause. It's a worthy work. And he said, be diligent, be steadfast, and be strong in the Lord. I pray that God will bless us with some Nehemiahs in the day in which we live. There's great opposition. And we need some Nehemiahs that are going to stand strong and fast in the Lord. May God bless you.